Good evening. Hello, this is Jim Horton with the Zachary Horton Foundation. We're doing our fourth podcast tonight, uh, Zach's Life, a story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. Uh, tonight, I have a, a couple good friends here with me. Uh, Ronnie, he's on our currently on our board, uh, and uh, Nick, uh, both have been in recovery for some time. And uh, just uh, just uh, great friends of mine, uh, and and tonight we're going to focus on uh, on recovery. Kind of talk a little bit, guys. Kind of go reach back into thinking about you know what it was like before you started in recovery, and what your dreams looked like, and then just kind of where you're at now. So uh, you know, with all that, let's uh, kind of get started, and we'll uh, we'll take off from here. Uh, Anyway, how's everybody doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Blessed. Awesome. Nick, I heard you just got back from the, uh, you were over at the beach for a couple of days, huh? Yeah, I'm in Hawaii, but I uh, just got back from the beach with my girlfriend, and uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty nice. Uh, it was pretty nice. Uh, we were, uh, we, it was kind of stressful because we were, you know, uh, it was our first time traveling that far, you know, uh, she'd never driven that far either, but yeah, it's been wonderful, dude. Life, life sober is just, it's phenomenal. And I got to tell you, man, to see you walking in and to hear you coming back from the beach and you're, you, you know, just out there living life. I just I had such a big smile on my face. I'm like, man, this boy changed and I love it. That's what I live for. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's too cool. So for the audience that doesn't know, Ronnie was a, a counselor where, where Zach, where, where my son was in treatment for for some time. And then uh, Nick, at one point, was uh, was his roommate in one of the sober living facilities. So, again, everybody here is much more than just friends, too. We're kind of like family, mm-hmm. right? So, so anyway. So, hey, guys, the first question that I want to throw out was I just want you to reflect a little bit and tell me, how has your life changed from how it was before – you were in recovery, so however many years ago that was, to how it is today. So just kind of, just kind of reflect on that. You want to take this, or you want me to go? You first, man. <laughs> All right. Um, man, it's it's fun. It feels weird to even think about that because when I think about what life was before I was in recovery, I wanted nothing to do with recovery i wanted i I didn't want to be sober um (laughs) you know um i like in the past like i've had like chances to where like i'm in a courtroom and a judge is literally telling me okay you can go to rehab or you can go to prison what do you want to (laughs) do and i said i'm not going to rehab that's how bad i didn't want to do anything with recovery you know, so when I, when you ask me that question, I'm just like, man, I, I, I never, never would have thought, but I remember about a year or so before I finally got sober, I remember like I was miserable, but I wasn't miserable enough. And it was where my, you know, disease had progressed like far enough to, I remember thinking in the, in the back of my mind at one time, like, Hey, well, I can always go to the rooms of recovery, but nah, I'm not that bad yet. <laughs> so yeah, when, when, you know, when I, th- when I think about that, you know, I just, uh, you know, I had, I had to be beaten to submission. You wow. Know? 
Boy, that it, it's it's almost hard to imagine that that you might have chosen or that you would choose going back to prison instead of doing the recovery. But that's how that's how deep the disease had had a hold of you. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so and now what? So now what about t- today, dude? Okay. So now you take that. That's what it was. And now today, it's literally the the complete opposite. You know, I, I live an honest life. I, you know, work in the treatment industry. Um, I, I, used, I guess I used to work on the opposite industry. And um, so it's, you know, uh, I'm part of a church. Um, I don't have to look over my shoulder. I'm not worried about what I got to do to get well in the morning. You know, it's, a, it's literally, a, there, there's no comparison. You know, I think about early recovery. You know, I never, I never had a job in my life. You know, twenty-seven years old, got sober, never, you know, never had a real job in my life. I didn't know what I was going to do. My reading comprehension was terrible. You know, but being in the rooms of recovery and you have all this recovery-related material to read, I didn't have nothing better to do but to read it all. I, you know what? I learned how to read. I learned how to write good. So today it's it's funny. Literally, my job is to write clinical documentation and review and audit it all day, and then talk on the phone. You know, Dude, so if, it, if, yeah, if 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 you and, and that's from recovery, you know. So I don't, I, you know, when I think about what it was to, you know, to what it is today, man, I, it's it's complete opposite. Something I never thought it would be possible. Wow, wow. What about you, Nick? Uh, can I just take a second and say that uh, what? You said a second ago, uh, beaten into submission. Mm-hmm. I love how you put that, and I love like the the use of that phrase as well. And the amount that I relate to that, you know, I mean, I had to kick my the crap out of myself, you know, to really, you know, enough to really get to that point to be, you know, where I was like, okay, I'm done, you know, and I'm really done because I would say I was done over and over again, but you know, that was just a card that I would play, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, who didn't, right, you know, uh, but. Anyways, um, I just want to point that out. That was, I mean, I don't know that that was poetic, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, for me, uh, you know, b- before I entered recovery, uh, my my idea of a life for myself, and this is pretty terrible. Uh, I was literally, I mean, this is what was my actual thought process. I'm gonna sell drugs to make money for my family and make sure they never have to spend. <laughs> You can ask my mom. I had this conversation with her about selling pot. I was like, Mom, I'm going to sell pot big time. Like, I mean, like, move pounds so that I'm, I'm going to quote this. I will, you know, sell that, you know, big time so that, you know, I can make enough money to, you know, buy you guys a house. You guys don't have to worry. And, you know, all that. I, all this, like, just, I mean, drug mentality is, you know, stupid. So, like, that was my idea for a life. You know, my end game was just to sell drugs, do drugs, and, you know, live like that, you know, and that, that's, that's not a life to live, that's a life to die in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so, uh, another thing for me is, uh, you know, I never pictured myself sitting, you know, settling down with a girl, I pictured myself living, you know, in that grimy, dirty life that I was in forever, you know, and just, you know, being like, whatever, I don't want kids, I don't want a wife, ask my mom about that one too, she'll tell you, <laughs> but, um, you know, now, you know, from there, you know, and then I'm here in recovery, I, uh, I, you know, I, I definitely don't want to sell drugs because, you know, obviously I'm in recovery, <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I have big dreams, man. I'm taking, I'm, I'm I- engaging in my music. 
my passion is music and I'm engaging in that. I'm sharing that and I'm able to do these kind of things, you know, sit on a podcast with some good friends and family, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, just, just talk about, you know, just recovery. You know, that's, that's, that's what makes me happy. And that's one of the things that is most significant to me because, you know, three years ago, this wasn't in my mind. Mm -hmm. This was, I mean, kind of like what Ronnie said, the complete opposite, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just, I feel amazing. I'm, I'm mid-process, like two weeks into quitting nicotine, and I feel better than I did when I was loaded, you know, three years ago. Wow. So, I mean, if that tells you anything, I feel like crap, but if I feel amazing because I'm sober, dude. And, like, there's nothing better than that. I'm living in recovery. You know, I mean, that's... that's. Well, and Ronnie, I have to say, the last, the song that you and your girlfriend did together that she produced, oh, dude, it's, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you know, you have such just such talent to be able to to see that to hear that and to, uh, you know to experience that with you is is really it's, it's it's so great to see you know both of you at this point in your life that's that is just working out just like this but i imagine even through this process mm-hmm. that the journey hasn't been all uh unicorns and glitter oh no <laughs> Never is. <laughs> uh, so, so talk a little bit about j- just about what the what the process of recovery w- was like, and and some of the real pains about it. But then, as you saw it starting to get better, because what I want is I want people that are listening to this, mm-hmm. you know, f- families that may be in the beginning of of watching their children go through recovery. Mm-hmm. What that what. What are their kids going to be experiencing? Because I can, <clears throat> let me reflect back just for a little bit. When, when, when Zach went to, um, when Zach went to his first medical detox. So first time that he had been sober in probably a couple of years of any length of time. Uh, and you know he he got, you know he got cleaned up. He went into outpatient, spent a few days in a in a sober living house, but he was coming home every day, and, you know, he would just come in here in this room right here. This was his room. He'd come in here, he'd sleep right here where we're talking, you know, and then he'd take a shower and he'd go back. Uh, but he was clean. Dude, we were thinking, oh, man, we dodged a bullet there. You know, he's good. I mean, we had no idea, no concept of of – of the kind of struggles that he was going to continue to, to feel and that he was going to continue to go through. And, uh, we weren't, we weren't prepared for that. We weren't educated in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, again, I know as a, as a parent, I kind of had a misconception of what it was going to be like, you know, Hey, Oh, whew, it's over, man. We can, we can live our life now. Now it was nothing was f- farther from the, from the truth, mm-hmm. you know, and I know for nine months he struggled with that in, in ups and downs and was really making some great strides, you know, just before just before it all ended for him. So, you know, I can only imagine that that, that kind of roller coaster is more common than it is uncommon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I mean, again, reflect about that a little bit and just kind of, you know, talk about what your what your journey was like and, and again, how you saw it was getting better and what that was like, the things that you look from, you know, from people that, that loved you and how you got support, mm-hmm. 
maybe how you had to win back, you know, some trust or whatever, you, you know. So anyway, run with that for a minute. Yeah. So to um, to kind of go off that, like you know, that gets me reflecting on about my first thirty to sixty days sober, and um, so I want to say in, in those first thirty days, I remember um, just getting hit with a bunch of emotions that I didn't know how to control and I didn't know how to identify them and I didn't know what they were. You know, I had gone so many years uh, uh, literally just stuffing my emotions, you know, and then you get sober and you start to feel them again. You know, you start, uh, I remember watching that movie Castaway and I was just getting sober and, I, and I'm over here crying and I'm crying, and you know, at the, uh, at a, you know, Wilson at a, at a volleyball, you know, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, all this stuff is just hitting me. I'm getting, and I'm having these emotions and I didn't know how to identify them. And, um, I remember telling, um, my best friend's mom about that. She was giving me a ride back to his house because those first 30 days, I didn't, my mom wasn't really like, she didn't have my back. She didn't believe that I was getting sober. She thought, she thought I was, she thought I was full of shit, you know? Well, and that's because you'd been yeah. full, full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I had been, I had been full of shit for so long. So I, and I didn't even blame her. Like I didn't put pressure on her or, or, or nothing. I told her what I was trying to do, but anyways, uh, so my friend's mom is like giving me a ride to my friend's house who, who I'm, I'm living with because it just, it, it wasn't happening. You know, I wasn't getting sober, you know, living at my mom's house. And, uh, but I remember I was trying to, I was trying to explain these emotions that I was feeling and you're talking about these ups and downs, you know, this is, I was like having this down and I couldn't put it into words. And she basically helped me identify and kind of, you know, verbalize that, you know, what I was feeling was shame and guilt. So that years of the stuff that I was doing was hitting me. And so that's something common that we see a lot in, you know, you know, not just young people, but people in general when they when they get sober is they get hit with this shame and this guilt. And a lot of times th those emotions, you know, keep people, you know, the, it, it, it takes them back out. And so I, I remember I was I was stuck in these and I, and I uh, you know, I, I didn't really know how to control it. I'm barely learning how to uh, identify it. Like if there's a spectrum. The emotions I knew happy and mad didn't really know anything in between. So, <laughs> so I, I was feeling, I was feeling a little bit lost, but the thing that, that got me through it was, you know, I, I, I paid real close attention to the people around me who, who had been, you know, some had been around for a lot of years. Some had maybe been around for a year. You know, my friend who helped me had about a year sober and, you know, he had a girlfriend who had like six years sober and then we, we hung out with a bunch of old people that had like 20 or 30 years sober. But the one common denominator that I've seen in each and every one of them is that they were all trying to help somebody else. They, 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 you know, they expressed humility and they made it a point to get out of themselves to help somebody else. And so when I, when I seen that, you know, no, nobody didn't really tell me, you know, I was just, you know, you know, I, 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 I read it. I hear some people talk about it. And so I started to learn, you know, when I'm down and, I, and I'm having those, you know, we're, we're talking about those lows is I got to get out of myself. I got to check up on somebody else and see how I could serve somebody else. And by mm. doing that, it, you know, it started to give me purpose. And then, wow. and then you create that, you know, that purpose starts to get created and it's, uh, it, it, you know, it makes, it makes, you know, being sober rewarding. So yeah, it was, um, w w me and my buddy, we have a term that we talk about it, but we, we call it, uh, finding a uh, purpose in your pain.
what uh, I, I was uh, I was thinking about how difficult it truly must be. You were talking about the the, the shame and the and the guilt mm-hmm. that that hits and and I and I think one of the toughest things for 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 people when they be, when they begin to get sober and they their mind starts to clear mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of a sudden their mind clears enough where now they're left with their thoughts and the reality of what they've done yes and on the one hand everyone is super excited to see it, you know to see you do and 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 I remember Zach after every two or three weeks before he'd relapse, you know, he'd, you know, Hey, I've got, you know, I've got 14 days. Hey, I've got 30 days. I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's what, what took him down at the very end. He, you know, he had just finished his first step after nine months. He was just, you know, he, he had made a commitment to, you know, to a church, you know, and to his God. And he was just, I mean, he was truly on a good, on a, on a good path, mm-hmm. but I can only imagine it was at that point then that the reality of who he still saw himself as, or as other people might see himself as, uh, you know, hit. And, and, and I think that's one of the dangers. If, 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 all, if everyone had to identify themselves by the worst thing that they had ever done, how horrible mm-hmm. we would all feel in life, you know. And, and I think that that happens from, from what I've heard in meetings that I've been in w- with people. I think that that probably happens a lot. You know that that ability to, uh, or the disability to forgive you know to forgive yourself to see that that you're different, or then maybe for other people to you know. To forgive you too, or how you see yourself then as you know when you're sober, and before, when those thoughts came around, you could just use and kind of numb them and, and go on your way. But then, you know, now that you cleaned that option's not there, you just kind of got to sit with it for a while. I, I I imagine that that's not the easiest. Uh, that that's not the easiest process. Hmm. Nick, how about you, man? What about what has your your journey been like? <coughs> the ups and the downs. Because again, I know I know this is a big this is yeah. a this is a huge uptime. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, my recovery. Okay, I just hit a year days a few days ago so thank you um yeah no uh you know so for me like just to start off the first two months you know each time trying in recovery you know trying to get sober the first two months were always the most difficult with emotions and memories and all the things that I've done and what I have to do now and like you know it's like reality just comes crashing down within those first two months because that's when your mind is clearing up like you were said the brain then becomes active and it's like, oh, well, I did this and I did that. And it's like, okay, well, now I want to use again. You know, so it's just, um, you know, learning to, uh, in those situations, just learning to forgive, my, you know, forgive yourself and, you know, just keep pushing and know that there's a better, you know, something you're fighting for at this point, you know, to make it right. You know, not necessarily make it right, but make everything that you did okay, you know, and that's just about staying sober. So that plays a part in my mind every day, you know. Um, I can't say there's been days where I really, really wanted to use because when they say that, you know, when, when I, I've heard this a lot in the rooms, you know, the desire has been lifted. I never understood that. Um, like, it still comes back. Like, I still get cravings, but they never turn into obsessions. 
like I feel like I mean this last entire year I haven't really just thought or even really wanted to use anything you know I've just felt content with being sober and content with being alive you know f- so for that's just in my experience as well you know like I that's how do I word this that's that is lost my train of thought <laughs> um that's just what I you know what I experienced within that time you know um it, I'm not going to say it was all easy, though. You know, there were still times where the cravings came, you know, and, but I just, for me, it was easier to say no because I've experienced already at that point what sobriety has to offer, you know, and I started experiencing it really soon, you know, really fast. Within right. a month, I had my own apartment, and that was a lot of trust that I was given, um, and I think that's another reason why, uh, you know, I, I continued living right, I guess. So tell me this, right after you guys started in your in your walk in sobriety, and you've made this commitment to yourself, but obviously family, friends, people you had wronged or people you'd been in touch with, they hadn't had a chance to adjust to the to the new you. Mm-hmm. What was what was that like? Because in your mind, you know you've made the change, but how did it feel when? You saw them looking at you like they didn't believe it. So I think, man, I, so I, they got a term called you fake it to make it, right? And I think I, uh, I, I might have been kidding myself at first, if I'm being completely honest, because uh, how I had to look at it is I had to look at it, I had to tell my, to even get myself to be able to, to d- make any sort of change, I had to tell myself, all right, you're going to get high, but you're going to do it in a year. You can do a year. It was sort of like a bet that I had with, you know, with my best friend. And so in my mind, I'm I'm competitive. I'm like, okay, I can, you know, I can I make it a year. And so those first one to th- three months, somewhere in between, I had I had those reservations and those reservations, <laughs> kind of what uh, <laughs> I held on to. But every day I'm hanging around people that were really doing the deal, and so I'm starting to make these little changes. And before that lie that I was telling myself started becoming the truth. I tell my mom right away, right? I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be sober, and she's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, she didn't, she didn't think nothing of it. And then I remember, I had about, uh, like, it was like a, a week or two weeks, and um, like I didn't tell it. Well, I, I moved out, but uh, I, I didn't tell her this. But basically, like, you know, I, um, I had to cut ties with some with some people that sure. you know. And, uh, so I didn't tell her all that. And that was like the, like the turning point, like, okay, I'm, re- I'm really going to do this. And then I get to 30 days and I'm like, Hey, I got 30 days sober. And it's like, she didn't bat an eye. Like, and she loved me. Yeah. She loved me. She, you know, she was, you know, she, but, but she, she didn't bat an eye. And then when I was like, you know, I'm counting the days and I'm like 45 days and I'm telling my mom and then my sister's like, Hey, like, you know, I heard you got like a couple months sober. And I, and I was like, yeah. And then when I was, when I, when I was coming up on 60 days, I was like, Hey mom. Why, why don't you come to this meeting with me? I was going to get my 60-day chip. <laughs> She's like, okay. <laughs> and she goes, and she's seen it was for reals, and she met my sponsor, and then after that, she was gung-ho about it. All right. So it, 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 was, it was this, it's like she didn't, you know, she didn't doubt me, but she, like, but I could tell, like, she, like, she thought I was full of shit, because, you know, I'm, you know, I, 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 I was full of shit. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, it was, a, it was, a, it was a slow, it was a slow process, but. Yeah, that's that's kind of what that what that looked like, you know. I was lying to myself, but it ended up turning into the truth. 
You know, I yeah. I, I had to yeah. fake it to make it. Yeah. What was your journey like, Nick? Uh, so words meant nothing to my parents after a certain amount of time. I mean, like they meant less than dirt. <laughs> like they, I I I I knew even when if, if I would say you know I was gonna do something, I knew in the back of my head like they don't believe me. You know, even in recovery, like I have that that second you know that second thought in my, the back of my head like. You know, even when I'm doing something and, like, not even just saying I'm going to do it, but doing it in front of them, it's like, okay, well, what if they think I'm up to something? Mm. You know, like, because I'm an addict, you know, like, addicts are, you know, conniving little scandalous people. Like, that's what we do. We we do bad things. (laughs) So, like, what if, you know, my own mother thinks that? What if my father, what if my brother, like, it's even, you know, extended, like, friends, family, like, you know, other people, like, you know, that know I'm in recovery and, like, know my story you know, uh, th- those second thoughts that come in the back of my head, th- that was a big thing that I struggled with. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, that definitely caused a lot of fear in my mind um, going around them. Like, okay, well, what if I mess up? You know, and then, you know, they've seen me do good so far, but what if I mess up? You know, and that, that thought itself could bring me down and has brought me down. You know, the fear of failure is, you know, it, it, giving into that fear is a sure way to failure. You know, so, uh, you know, you don't let yourself get that way or think that way. And this could, you know, go along anything. You, know, you don't let yourself get to that point. It won't happen. You know, you have the power in your hands. That's something that I've learned through my experience. Boy, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's powerful. I, I think if, if, it was, if it was one thing in, in hearing, you're so seeing, I remember because I was in groups, Nick, with your parents, you know, while, you know, while you were, you know, still out, you know, uh, and and I remember, you know, seeing the pain on them. I remember the transitions that they went through about, you know, here he is again, here it goes again, you know, and, and then I remember feeling that way about Zach. Every time that Zach would relapse, he'd get 30 days, never over 45 days, and then there'd be a relapse. I think parents and and when I say things like this guys I am just speaking for myself I'm not saying that this is the reality for everyone mm-hmm. or this is the way that it should be but I'll tell you I wish I wish above everything else that I could that I could go back and have this perception and the fact was that Zach was using once every 30 days over a nine month period sometimes maybe two or three days you know, when he would relapse. That's the most sobriety he had had in three years. Wow. Hmm. But but where I was at and the, the groups that I were, were a part of at that time didn't allow me to celebrate that the, those stepping stones of progress that that he was that he was that he was taking. Um You know, I, I think we kind of look for, uh, uh, as as a as a parent, I was looking for perfection in my son and believing that that's what sobriety would mean, would mean perfection. Well, yeah, because like I've been perfect my whole life, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just when I look at that now, it's just sort of quite a. Again, I'm I'm just really disappointed that I thought of that I thought of it that way. I would think of no other disease that way. That if someone had been in remission, then all of a sudden their disease came back. That that I would just be just so disappointed in them. 
you know, that it would that would never happen. You just continue to love them. And I think that's where I that's that's where I missed the boat because he was he was putting out effort and he was moving forward. And I just couldn't I couldn't see that. So I mean so that'd be a message that I would have to parents out there whose kids are trying that dude, we know that especially with 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 uh, with opioids, uh, th- that that relapse is part of the process of their recovery. It doesn't have to be, but that's what the data shows, is that that's what happens. We don't, it, it takes, the statistic that I heard just the other day in a book that, that I'm reading through is called Dope Sick. If, if you haven't, it is just, it's, it's about the whole opioid crisis as it began uh, over on the East Coast. And they talk about, once someone is hooked on opioids, it's an eight to 10 year process to, to know that it's, if you want to say that you're completely free of that. And then we know it can, you might not ever be free because there's still the behaviors that are there. But, but it is still grabbing at you for, you know, for eight to 10 years. So f- for Zach to go from using every day to you know, you know, maybe you're using once a month, you know, on, on a slip or maybe smoking weed, you know, th- maybe that wasn't the worst thing. But I couldn't see it that way at that, at that, at that time. So I know if my kid is trying as hard as he can, and I can't give him any credit for it, you know, I can't imagine for some of you that were in the life a lot longer than he was, you know, how your parents would have had difficulty believing that, you know, that change had come. Uh, hey, you know, as we wrap this up today, there's a there's a there's two other questions that I'd like for you each to answer. Uh, I want you to tell me about your dreams for the future. Uh, I know when I would talk to Zach when he was in the middle of his addiction, and I would talk to him about his dreams for the future. Man, it was there were no dreams for the future. He couldn't see beyond you know, really 15 minutes from now, you know. But uh, is that something you think about? Do you, you know, what, are, what are your dreams for the future? And then if you had a message for, for, for another young person out there who might just be starting on their sobriety journey now or wondering, man, can I do it? Can I make it? What would you, what would you tell them? So jump on those two things. You know that's a that's a tough question because you know like I said in the beginning of this the the life that I live today is already like beyond the wildest dreams that I could have imagined. But now, like at the point point where I'm at, it's like um, I'm getting I'm getting a little older. I'm about to turn 32 on Sunday, so I'm young, but I'm you know I'm I'm getting older. Like I do have you know dream of having a family, and you know and uh, raising children that. You know, and I'm bringing them up in a in a way where, yeah, I'm definitely going to teach them about addiction. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I'm going to share my story with them. You know, because I grew up in uh, I I grew up. You know, my dad is alcoholic. He sold drugs. I'm a family sold drugs. All, all you know, and so to me that was normal. That was that was right. that was the normal my my entire upbringing. So um. I mean, I plan on raising children, you know, but I'll be in recovery, but I, you know, definitely gonna, you know, bring awareness. So, so yeah, I want, I want to, I want to have a family and, you know, 
course continue to help people like that's like, i i i have to i have to be a service i have to be a maximum service to god and the people around me and you know that's you know whatever whatever which way that leads me you know cool um and my message for anybody out there young person not young person uh early sobriety you're, th- you're thinking about getting sober whatever it may be um there is purpose for you and you you do have worth. Um, sometimes you just gotta take that step, and you y- you you never know once you you know once that purpose is re- revealed to you. There's not a drug out there that <laughs> that that could be that, that can be better. I, I'll tell you what, like the like the things that I live for, that that it's better than any self gratification a- a- anything in the, in the past is when you you have your own life right. You, and you get sober and you kind of start to establish this life and, you know, things start getting good and it feels good for yourself, right? But then you get to start helping other people when you see the light go off in their eyes and you see them build their life. Nick is a primary example right there. Yeah. That is the stuff that I live for. I promise you guys, that, like, the, you know. There's nothing better. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing better. You, 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 you know, there's no turning back that you get to experience yeah. that. So, so if you're new that's or you're thinking about getting sober like i just want you to know there is something there's a better high on the other side (laughs) i'm telling you right now that's That's right (laughs) yeah man like you know oh was it my turn my bad yeah it is sorry i just no you're good i like that (laughs) jump in in with it uh, yeah man like uh no high will ever amount to the the feeling and you know the the euphoria of just you know recovery you know when you especially when you walk the walk you know the, the route of recovery for so long you know, for an ex- you know a certain amount of time, you just start to feel like, like once that becomes your norm, you know, just living your days sober, doing the right things, you know, where you have a, a set of morals that aren't completely jacked up, like when that becomes your norm again, like that feeling, mm-hmm. there's nothing that could amount to that. You know, it's just freedom right there. Like that's pure freedom. You know, and even on the hard days, even on the the you know the the days that I struggle more, I still feel. You know, I mean, just knowing that I can get through it and I don't have to use to get through it, I mean, that that just makes me feel powerful as it is, you know, and uh, that, you know. So with that being said, um, I just, I things that I want to do with my, you know, things that I'm working towards are like big goals and whatnot. Yeah, so, you know, I just look at like, where I'm at now, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm set, you know, I'm on the right road, you know, the right route to, you know, in recovery and, if I continue on this route with what I have here and keep building my foundation, what I have already, what I'm already doing, you know, I'm, I'm making the music, I'm getting back in shape, you know, uh, physically, emotionally, and mentally, and spiritually, um, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm uh, making bigger goals for, you know, cars, you know, to get a car eventually and whatnot, like, I've got those big goals set, but what I have right now is only going to grow, and yeah. those are the things that I want in my future. And those are the, this is what makes it possible, you know, is continuing on this same road. Because as I walk on this road, these, these things that I have just grow and become jobs or hobbies for a lifetime or a wife. You know, I, have, I could have, I mean, I could be a wife. <laughs> I have, could have kids, you know. Like, I'm not just, you know, that's like awesome, dude. Like, I never thought. But hey, those hey you, are, you already have a cat. <laughs> I mean, and she she probably wants me worse than a wife would. You <laughs> know, like. wait, wait a couple of years. <laughs> oh, I couldn't imagine. Don't scare me now. I'm just I'm getting excited now. <laughs> like, <come on. laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Hey, guys, I, w- I want to thank you so much for, uh, for, for coming out and, and, and sharing a little bit of your story and a little bit of your hope uh, with, people, with people tonight. And um, uh, so for now, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, uh, close down for this evening. I want to thank everyone for, uh, for listening in. Uh, again, this is uh, Zach's dad. Uh, you can uh, look us up uh, online at uh, www.zacharyhortonfoundation.org. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of resources and uh, information for help there. So, uh, and uh, also some email addresses there. You can contact us. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Ronnie or Nick, also just leave a message there and I'll forward that information to them. So thanks for so much for joining us and we'll uh, catch you next time. <laughs>